Here's today's reminder. If your church is going to grow, you have to equip your leaders. But how do you do this? How do you empower the leaders at your church to lead well? Join us at equiplab.com backslash church leaders. We're here to equip your ministry team to thrive. Just go to equiplab.com backslash church leaders and join us today. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Set Institute, and today we're excited to have with us Matt Chandler. Matt's the lead pastor of teaching at the Village Church in Dallas-Fort Worth and the president of Acts 29. He's authored several books, including To Live as Christ, To Die as Gain, The Mingling of Souls, The Explicit Gospel, but his latest book is entitled Family Discipleship, which he's co-authored with Adam Griffin. But before we hear from Matt, we want to remind you about the Amplify Outreach Conference coming October 19th and 20. Amplify Outreach is designed for pastors and Christians passionate about entering the real issues of our day and helping people discover authentic faith in Christ. So be sure to learn more about the conference at AmplifyOutreach.com. Now let's hear from our host, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and executive director of Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Stetzer. Hey, and it is good to indeed have you. Good to have Matt on the program as well. Just so you know, if those of you watching by video, we mostly will listen to the podcast. Those of you watching by video, you see a big shiny banner behind us because we are in combining the Church Leaders Podcast with the Stetzer Leadership Podcast to now the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. So if you are listening to this on the Stetzer Leadership Podcast channel, which I know millions of you are, okay, not really, <laughs> but if you are, make sure you come over and subscribe because that's the channel that's going to eventually be deactivated as well. But enough about that. We're just excited to uh, kind of start our conversations with a good friend, a uh, friend, friend of the podcast, as we might say, uh, Matt Chandler. Now, Matt, of course, you've been serving as a pastor for, for, for years, you're leading Acts 29. You have a unique and helpful perspective, I think, on uh, churches around the United States, around the world. But this has been a tumultuous and turbulent time the past year and a half. The pandemic, the in the U.S., the presidential election, racial tensions, um, all have impacted Christians, church leaders, and more. How are you leading through the polarized times? Yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to lead with a great deal of courage. Um, I'm trying to, as best I can, by the grace of God, uh, try to thread that needle of um, saying the things that need to be addressed in order to shepherd and help our people live distinctively Christian lives in these times. But but trying to do it in a way that's winsome and fair and true and not buy into some of the more um, polarizing characterizations of the other side, if you will. Yeah. How's that working for you? Uh, depends on the Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, there is no, you know, there is no real middle ground anymore. I mean, yeah. it's there, there are trigger words that we don't even know are trigger words and there are that people really are. And, and this is a failure of the church over the last 20, 30 years. They, there doesn't seem to be, a theological understanding of what the church is meant to be that has more power than these ideological tribes that have formed so that people are really choosing their ideology, even over, you know, doctrinal faithfulness. It's a extremely challenging time to be a pastor in 
those regards. And and they don't see it that way because they think because you're able to create junk drawer words and everybody's a heretic. Heretic doesn't heretic means I disagree with your position on any one of a thousand issues now. Then then it makes it really easy uh, for people to bow out of healthy gospel community over what they think is heresy, but what's actually a secondary issue that that should fit under is the gospel faithfully preached, are disciples faithfully made, then uh, we might disagree on this, but these are what the, the church is supposed to be all about, not a club that agrees with all my ideologies. And, and so that's the that's the unwinnable space that every pastor I know is in. And the lean of those ideologies depend on context and location, right? If you're in the South, that, that's a right-leaning ideology where in most places, uh, masks uh, are political and the vaccine's political and uh, race is political. And if you are in another part of the country, you're going to lean left. And all of those are issues too, but in the opposite direction. So what's wild is both of these tribes are the same. They behave the same. They react the same. They, um, I think they war against each other in the same ways. And all of it, I think, is out of step with the gospel. Yeah, strong, strong, but important because part of the reality is we're seeing people sort themselves ideologically. That's right. Rather than theologically, they're being discipled by their cable news choices, spiritually shaped by their social media feed. I read about this in depth in the uh, current issue of Outreach Magazine. I call it the great sort. People are sorting themselves out. But part of the challenge is, you know, I'm serving a church in New York City where the conversation, this is a conservative evangelical church of 175 years old. It's uh, the heart birthplace of so much of fundamentalism and more, very conservative church. But those cultural issues are being discussed very differently in New York City than they are in Texas. And where you see the, you know, so-and-so believes so-and-so. So you've mentioned a lot of things to react to. We had in the last 18 months, we had, um, we had COVID, we had the murder of George Floyd, we had summer riots, we had two impeachments, we had election, we had election uh, contesting, we had the January 6th insurrection. You must at some point have a filter to say, I'm going to mention this, I'm not going to mention that. How does that filter work? And, and, and what have you learned in the last 18 months about what to and what not to mention? Yeah, it. I have tried to address, um, and in fact, I have addressed just about every subject that you just listed out there. Um, my church is probably smaller for that reality, but I would like to believe that the people that are here are able to live distinctively Christian lives in this current moment. And and so I, I think in some sense, and I want to be real careful here because pastors are already under uh, just quite a bit of duress not to... I don't want to put the wrong kind of courage into a guy or gal because the you know even Jesus said I has I have more to say to you but you're not ready you you can't handle this yet and so there are congregations that are not ready for these kinds of conversations they they don't have the doctrinal foundation uh, in place for them to make sense so the more um, and and I don't want to I'm not trying to put anybody on blast here, but the more your sermons have been man centered and and kind of uh, be the best version of yourself, um, the more your congregation is not ready for these congregate for these conversations. But if you've 
preach doctrinally, if they've got a sense of the Imago Dei and what it is and what the implications are, and 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 you you talk about maybe the kingdom of God and 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 the reign of God the over all that is, you, you've got some theological moorings by which to have these conversations where you're rooting people in 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 really doctrine that that has implications for how we live our lives but if they don't have that foundation then then I think you're playing with matches around a bunch of dry hay and it's not going to go well for you Matt let me follow up on that um you you talked about preaching doctrinally and uh, I think that I mean that's that's that would probably most pastors would say, you know, that's that's what their aim is. But specifically, as you're leading during the divided times, like how do you make that connection from the doctrine to the cultural situation that you're in right now? Like, I mean, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So if you if you want to talk about race, then then I think the the starting point for any conversation around race, regardless of what that conversation is, is rooted in the Christian biblical doctrine of the Imago Dei, that you have been made in the image of God, that all men have been made in the image of God. And then from there, you you can jump off all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament about how we've gotten that wrong, how the gospel fixes that, how we should interact with the gospel around that subject. And and you're having a doctrinal conversation. You're not, now you're still going to get blamed for preaching CRT. You're still going to be kind of categorized as woke. But I don't know that I'm interested in trying to keep a a man or a woman that's already so hardened in their ideology that they're going to prefer that to a clear reading of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to have a conversation about politics, uh, I want to be able to frame all that around um, the kingdom of God and King Jesus and what it means to live for that kingdom and be embedded in a nation state in this given moment in time. So the doctrine I'm trying to root them in is the idea of the kingdom of God. And and then the application is how do we think rightly in these politically divided times um, and, and stay true to the, the one that's not going anywhere? And, and so that that would be two examples of of ways I've tried to navigate that here. Yeah, I mean, race is a, a huge issue. Uh, part of this is I think moving forward, everything is going to be a huge issue. Like every social thing that happens is going to create another rift. So I'm really curious, and this might be helpful to those uh, that are listening. Like, where where do you go to to learn how to lead better during this time? What are you doing for yourself to grow as a leader? And what would you what would you say to to, to someone who came to you and said, you know, what, what should I do right now? Yeah, and this might sound a little too Sunday schooly, but uh, I'm just gonna one. I, I have doubled down on. I need to get my heart fully alive in Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. So more than I need a book or more than I need, I need to go back to those wells that have been tested and true. Uh, they've been tried, they have survived, they have. And, and so I have tried to increase over the last couple of years, um, pulling away and just being with Jesus. And, and I know that's going to sound like, oh, okay, but I'm telling you, I, what the Village Church and Acts 29 need from me is my heart fully satisfied and alive in Jesus Christ so I can be the courageous man that God has called me to be and and lead with courage, knowing that 
I am going to be put, have been put, and will continue to be put in situations where I simply am not going to be able to win with half the crowd. Now, in in my context, it's not half the crowd, but it's still 15, 20% of the crowd that will take anything I say that that's not hard right and and make it far left. Like like that I'm considered a liberal by some people. Like it it kills me. I mean, I just I, it's hard for me not to giggle at the idea that that I'm left leaning. I, I don't. I'm not left leaning at all. Uh, I mean, I grew up on military bases. That does something to you. Uh, I you know watched Iron Eagle and Rocky Four and Red Dawn. I mean, that's where I I, I just steeped in that like tea. I mean, I am a proud American. Uh, and so with no caveat on there, ah, no, we've got our issues, but no, I'm just going, this is an amazing nation. And, and so I, I need to make sure that I'm not relying on my natural skill set, um, my, my communication gift, my, I need to make sure that I'm like Jesus and I, uh, I we're settled in, in that I know I'm loved by him. Um, accepted by him that I'm going to make the wrong call here. It's too complex. I'm not educated enough. The things that are being debated are way past a pastor's pay grade. Like you want to ask me about immigration, man, I don't, I don't have time to dig through all the bills that are coming out and how this works and how this looks or how it's been done historically. I can look to my Bible and tell you some things about the heart of God uh, for the sojourner and that, right. But but man, so I need to place myself in that in that spot where my heart's fully alive in Jesus, and then lead with the courage that's born of that space. And then I I want to make sure that I have the group of men that I've done life deeply with for the last 15, 18 years. Um, I want to make sure they're being looped into what's going on in my mind and heart. Uh, again, I. I do not want to shrink back in this moment and, and do the easy thing. I don't want to do that in order to protect my church. I don't want to do it in order to protect Acts 29. I, I, want, I know enough of history to know how easy it would be to just be quiet, to just toe the line and, and, and live a sweet life. Hmm. And, and I don't want to be a coward like that. But the only way forward for me is, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, is more solitude and silence, more time alone with Jesus, more time pulling out of every meeting that has to happen in this season and and quiet my heart before the Lord and let him fill me up. So you're saying you're woke. That's what you're saying right now. Well, that's what I've read. I've read that about myself. I've read that too. Quite a few times. I've read that a few times. So, so I mean... That's the accusation that obviously, I mean, you've kind of described yourself as um, very conservative. I actually appreciate the Red Dawn reference, though not the travesty oh, of the Red Dawn. They should have, you know, that's set in the can for like two years. They should have left oh, it there. They should have just left it there. Of course, North Korea actually, is the invader. It's like, oh my, I don't even. Uh, my dad was actually in the remake of Red Dawn. Believe who's it. Or in not. The, who's in the remake? My dad. He was one of the the diplomats in the background. So. Wow. Now I feel guilty about making fun of Red Dawn. <laughs> no, but it's your horrible. Dad's probably, it wasn't a great. Your dad movie. did a great job of standing back there. The rest of it I was could trash. Just, he, did. he did. I could just say Wolverines. But anyway, that's it. Turn it into something else. But that's another story. And you have to be a certain age to get that reference. But how do you deal with the 
accusation that, and I, I don't think, I, I know part of your answer will be, I don't care what people say on the internet, but it's, it also comes up in your congregation. And someone comes to you and says, Pastor Matt, I read on the internet that you were woke because you said this. How do you respond? Yeah. What do you do? Well, I, what I would really like for anybody who says that is for them to define it for me. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you actually accusing me of when you say that I'm woke? And then I think from there, we can have the conversation. And I, I don't feel the burden to, to defend myself against a guy on Twitter okay. or a guy that emails in from South Carolina and has, you know, a five page manifesto against my CRT wokeism. But it's a very different thing to shepherd the flock of God as we've been commanded to do in First Peter. And so I, I preached on this last January. And I think I was about as forthright as I've ever been on the subject with our congregation, because I have said, listen, there have been things said about me that are just not true. And so I just want you to know exactly where I am on all of it. And, and I just walked them through like the everywhere I land on this subject and why I land there from the scriptures. And, and then I, I tried to invite them. I, I started the sermon going, here's where I'm trying to take us. I know not all of us are going to be able to make it. I want you to make it, but I know we're just not going to be able to, for one reason or another. And you just need to know, I love you and I'm, I'm for you. And then I just dove into, now, let me tell you where I stand on this, on this, on this. And, and I just walked through all those kind of prevailing accusations. And at the end of that sermon, if I'm still woke, then I guess I'm woke. Um, and, and if I'm not, then, then I'm not. And so that's how I handled it with the congregation. And then, you know, my thing is always, if you're a member of the church and you'll be patient, you and I can meet face to face. I mean, there's a lot more of you than, than, than there is of me, but if you're a member of this church, man, I I understand from the book of Hebrews, I'm going to give an account for how I shepherded and loved and taught and, and walked alongside of you as best I could by the grace of God. And I've always taken that very seriously. And so it, I'm, I'm happy to have face-to-face conversations. Um, but what I tried to do, because there was, there was a time last year where it had really kicked up. I think everybody was home. So everybody was online and, um, you know, stumbled into the same series of blogs. And then there was a book that came out that said some stuff. And so that I just addressed it from the stage, just head on. And, and I knew like for some, this is going to provide clarity and, and win them back. And, and others, it won't be enough and they'll head out and I'll be okay with that. Hmm. You, you know, Matt, I mean, I think a lot of pastors um, are awakening the, uh, you know, to the fact that they've been missing out on certain parts of the Bible. They focus on only certain specific parts where it talks about maybe individual personal salvation, those kinds of things. But yeah, coming back to your point about scripture and, and doctrine, like what, what do you think is important in terms of helping pastors re-understand scripture holistically because it does speak to systemic things it does speak to a deeper uh, sense of fallenness than just you know an individual's lostness uh can you talk about how the bible actually guides leaders and believers towards actually understanding our cultural issues better yeah, and and I'm I'm gonna sound like a broken record on this, but I, I think once you once you get the Imago day down, then you have to you have to we have to get to the bottom of why are we why is it so busted? 
like, why are we so broken and busted? Made in the image of God. Like, that's such a beautiful thing. Look at this. So what happened? And and then I think if you'll do an honest reading, you'll you'll lift. So years ago, I wrote I wrote the book uh, The Explicit Gospel, and my my argument in Explicit Gospel is that way too many of us um, have a real narrow myop myopic view of the the gospel and and what the gospel is. And so the illustration I used is that uh, I have a friend who who I think I mean he's a great I love this man who. Um, who, who I think, man, his understanding of the gospel is really, really myopic. It has everything to do with individual salvation, and there it dies, or there it lives, I guess would be a fair way to say it, right? But I think the Bible paints this picture of redemption and renewal that we're participating in. We're never going to pull it off, right? Christ shows up and, and pulls it off, but we're to work towards and be a part of, you know, pushing back darkness, establishing light in the domains that God's placed us. And that also is the gospel. And so I argued in the book that there's the gospel on the ground and there's the gospel in the air. And I used that language because I felt like my friend was like standing uh, on the streets of New York and going, this is New York City. And I was flying in a plane over New York City, seeing the whole city and going, wow, look at New York City. And he was telling me, that's not New York City. And I'm like, no, it absolutely is. I'm looking at it. There's the, the One World Trade Center. There's the Empire State Building. This is New York City. And he was standing on West 54th going, no, this is New York City. And I'm like, brother, I think we're saying the same thing. And so I think what's necessary is a a gospel that's bigger than just individual salvation. Um, and honestly, you can study Christian history and see where Christians have gotten very involved in issues of darkness and pushed them back and reestablished something closer to the heart of God, still imperfect, still in need of reform, but closer to the heart of God. Uh, I think everyone would agree that's what happened in the 60s with the civil rights movement. Right, the the church, predominantly the African American church, but not only the African American church, and law lawmakers, and they pushed against laws and systemic injustice to establish something closer to the heart of God than was there before. Now it still needs work; it's still not perfect, but but that's an example of where that took place. But I think there's more examples than that. I think you can go to the Chapman sect and and look at um, that group tackling everything from bad manners to sensuality to, um, I mean, and once again, you've got the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God, pushing back on what was dark, bringing about order, establishing light, imperfect still, but something closer to the heart of God. This is true biblically. This is true historically about the church, but because Every, and I don't know if it was the, Ed would probably know this better than I would. I don't know if it was the revivalist movement or what happened when all of a sudden the church became enamored with just converts and personal salvation at the expense of a holistic understanding of what the gospel is. So I think one of the big problems in the church is it's hard to become Christ-like if you don't have this understanding of the, the breadth of the gospel. Yeah, and of course, this is this is a very big historical conversation. Um, we could think of Carl Henry's about the uneasy conscience of modern fundamentalism. Yeah. We we can actually talk about some of the overreaction the other direction. We're still yeah. looking at much of mainline Protestantism that is trying to 
you know, make the world a better place, but has lost that emphasis that we're very driven by here at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center of personal conversion. When we talk about the gospel in the air and the gospel on the ground, let's 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 dig in a little deeper. You know, we sometimes refer to that as the individual conversion, which is, you know, God, humans, Christ response. I'm yep. born again by grace and through faith. I go through the Romans road, all of which are are essential and central Absolutely. to our understanding of, uh, you know, sharing the good news of the gospel, calling women and men to repent and follow Jesus. So God, humans, Christ response, that's on the ground, if you will. That's, that's the right. individual. I don't remember, I, I love the explicit gospel. You wrote it with Jared Wilson, our mutual friend. And I don't remember if you used creation, fall, redemption, or restoration, or if you modified those a little no, bit. No, I, I use those four. Okay. So I, so I just use the historic terms. Yeah, right. Exactly. I know some people are like updating those and being fancier. I appreciate your <laughs> historical grounding. Well, I'm not um, a fancy man. No, I understand. I'm pretty straightforward. Yeah. So, I'm pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. So creation on the, so God is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So you can get the explicit gospel if you want to pick up more on that. And of course, you know, Matt, you and I have walked through the museum here at the Wheat God's Billy Graham Center. Yeah. So those you don't know, Matt's a student in our master's degree program. And we actually stop at different eras and say, yeah. right here is where conversionary Protestantism narrowed its focus. Here's where it broadened its focus. And, yeah. and there are dangers on both sides. So you wrote the explicit gospel to really kind of articulate the clarity that we need to walk in the knowledge of both. That's right. Yeah. That seems even more important today in 2020 and 2021 uh, than it did five years ago. I mean, you were looking 2014, if I recall. So how, how is that theologically? Is it not 2014? I thought it was. No, it's okay. no, it's uh, 11 years ago now. So it was closer to 2010. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, so, so how does it play out in your understanding of walking through some of these culturally convulsive issues today? Well, the thing I want to, you know, and I, this third, the third section of the book is what happens if you stay on the ground too long? What happens if you stay in the air too long? And then the last chapter kind of goes, how do you actually live this thing out with no, with no kind of premonition of what was to come, you know, in the next decade? Um, but I, I will say that for me, the whole thing, and I think substitutionary atonement is the gravitational pull of the gospel. So that as long as you continue to preach, teach, and, and lead with the, the brokenness of humans and systems being due to rebellion against God and sin, and that Christ is the only solution to that. I think you can carry that into any and all of these conversations. And it's why I can say, listen, the the government can't solve what's wrong here. They can't legislate it. They can't fix it no matter what side you're on, because this is the primary issue. This is what's most wrong. What's most wrong is rebellion against God. And, and we can't fix that in and of ourselves, not through legislation, not through white knuckle discipline, not through moral goodness. We need this. And I think as long as that is like I like I I call it the gravitational pull, then I feel safe. So you wouldn't you wouldn't get in a plane and get up to thirty eight thousand feet if gravity didn't exist, right? You'd spin off into space, and that's what I think people do when they lose the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But as long as you're holding fast to the atoning work of Christ, I, I think you're free to to step out in these spaces and, and try to bring the light of the gospel because it can't be fixed without it. And so that, that to me is, and that's where I'll get nervous. I mean, I've got dear friends right now I'm anxious about 
that that really have been caught up in some of these more uh, social movements that are losing their grip on the atoning work of Jesus Christ, and they're losing their grip on what's most wrong with people and governments and systems and schools and police and you name it, right? Which is rebellion against a creator, believing that we're smarter than God, believing that we don't need God, preferring his creation to him, the creator. And the only solution to that is the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, the wrath absorbing death, and then subsequent resurrection of Jesus. And and so I want that to always be my lead foot. When I talk about race, when I talk about politics, when I talk about even the situation with the virus that we're, I don't know how things are up there. It is flaring like crazy down here again. And so we're back in that place. We're going to have to have some conversations about what that looks like, what that means, how we want to approach that. What does it look like in this season? And I need a lead foot that's faithful and true. Hmm. And I don't want to call people to something that has no chance of success. I want to call them to what absolutely cannot fail. That one place that we can invest our time, energy, and money that pays eternal dividends. Hmm. You know, Matt, uh, this could be helpful to to pastors listening right now, and they, they want to craft, you know, a sermon series, or they really want to get into um, uh, preaching and helping shape the thinking of their church members. Um, so if you're doing this, um, like, where do you go? What, what scriptures would you, um, recommend pastors begin to engage, you know, maybe in a Bible study session or maybe even in their preaching, uh, series, like help flesh out what might that look like if you're developing a teaching series, what scriptures would you go to? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on what all they wanted to hit on, where they were, and what their congregation was ready for. Um, and so, you know, I've mentioned the Imago Day multiple times. If if there are if there is kind of a sandy foundation, then I think the worst thing you could do is just launch into a culture matters series where you're just going to tackle, you know, hard things. Jesus says things like that. Like it without, without a better foundation than everybody's a little anxious and angry right now. Um, then I think you're setting yourself up for some unnecessary pain. You're going to have some pain that that's necessary. Jesus said, Hey, it's a privilege for you to suffer. Like I suffered to be slandered. Like I was slandered to be misrepresented. Like I was misrepresented. It's like, Hey, this is part of the gig now. Uh, and there was a little run there. The only little run in history where it wasn't that, but it's part of the gig again. And it's a privilege for you to suffer like this. It's a privilege for you to be misrepresented. And, and I have to, I'm preaching that to myself all the time now. <laughs> um, but I think it might, I think a pastor who's serious about these things might want to think about those foundational issues as it relates to who God is, what God is like, then move into maybe anthropology, what is man, what is, and lay that doctrinal foundation and use the social issues right now as the application to those truths about who God is, what God's like, who man is, what man's like, and, and not start with 12 weeks on race right. uh, or, you know, like I said, culture matter series or something like that. I also think how long you've been at the church matters. Um, I, I think what, 
I'm trying to think of a, the best way to say it. Like I have a lot of money in the bank with the people of the village church. I've yeah, been really here 20, almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been through some madness together. Uh, we've endured some crazy times together. We have wept together. We have rejoiced together. Uh, I'm not, I'm not here in year two trying to transition this church from what it was to what I felt, you know, what I see in the scriptures. That's not where I am. And I do think like be wise here, right? Like if you're in your second year in a place, I don't know, maybe you should just preach a book of the Bible faithfully, make it a hard book, preach first Peter. It's going to speak to a lot that's going on on our day. It's going to address gender. It's going to address um, marriage. It's going to lean into slavery. It's going to be a really challenging book. And you would just be doing line by line exposition if that's how you preach. Yeah. And so maybe a, maybe that would be your lead foot. But if you've got, if you've been there and you're trusted, then I, I think starting a series on the nature and character of God that has some anthropology in it and laying that kind of foundation with the cultural issues as the illustration or the application, not necessarily the the thrust of the message would, would benefit a lot of congregations right now who don't know how to think about these things doctrinally. They don't know what they have to do with God and who he is. I love it. Uh, uh, the, when we were together in uh, the last class you took, we, you really encouraged me by some of your observations. And I want to touch on those before we finish up. Some of your observations about how people are coming to Christ, yeah. how people are receiving by grace and through faith, the good news of the gospel, because, um, it's a hard time, and and it it's is. a hardening time for a lot of people. Yeah. Yet you're also seeing some pretty neat stories about how the Lord's breaking through in the midst oh, absolutely. of the cultural convulsion and the tumult. Tell tell me what you're seeing. Well, and, and it's not just been the village church that's seen this. You know, we've got a bunch of um, churches around us that are kind of familial churches. They used to be campuses, and now they're their own autonomous churches. But we have seen quite a few men and women become Christians in this little season that are so overwhelmed, so anxious, so angry, so like what in the world's going on that it's led them to seek out um, something other than scrolling through their phone incessantly. And um, they're tired. And I'll just give real testimonies, tired of pornography every day, tired. You know, they apparently got to the end of Netflix. That was a testimony we heard. Um, but like, I'll give you just a couple of stories. We, we, um, this is gosh, however, however long class ago is this probably two months ago now. Um, after our service was over, we had baptized some men and women in our service. And after the service was over, a guy like came running in the door and, you know, it was this, you know, atheist, you know, like not, I grew up in church and then I decided it was all like, not a church guy, not a Bible belt guy, just done with it all. He's watching our service online because he's just over all of it. And he thinks there might be something there. And then man, when he saw us baptizing, he'd lived 30 minutes from me, hopped in his car and drove as fast as he could and came. He just wanted to be baptized, wanted to give his life to Christ. And so baptized him. He's been walking with some guys here at the church. It's just unbelievable. And so there's a lot of that going on, not just at the village, but in other places too. Like we have baptized every weekend since Easter. Uh, people have been giving their life to Jesus every weekend since Easter, Sunday after Sunday. And um, and I think, like I'm not, let me, let me say it this way. I think there's reason for a great deal of optimism in the middle of our feeds 
that are telling us all is lost. The, the future of the church is sure, right? It's just sure. Now, it's going to look a little different than what we're used to, but people are going to continue to become followers of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I like to say it this way at the village. The enemy's not safe anywhere. The enemy's not safe anywhere. Like it's the gates of hell, not the gates of heaven uh, that don't prevail. It's the enemy on his heels if the church will be the church. If she won't, and she'll believe all this press right now uh, about how everybody's deconverting and everyone's checking out and the church is going to die. I have been reading about the church dying for 20 years. I just have, and Ed probably longer than that, 40 or 50 years. So the church has been dying for a long, long time here. And I just don't, I don't see that in my Bible. I've read Revelation. I, I think it ends differently than, than most of us think it does. And so if the church would shift gears and not be afraid and not be paralyzed and, and just do simple acts of faith, like the bar so low right now in regards to what faithful Christianity looks like, like I'll tell the people of village, just prayer walk your neighborhood. Just literally walk your neighborhood and pray blessings over every house. Just bless that house in the name of Jesus. Pray for their marriage. Pray that their kids would flourish. Pray and watch what happens. And a lot of these conversions we're seeing are born just directly from that as they meet their neighbors. And man, I'm just, I just prayed blessing over you. I just prayed for your marriage, prayed your kids would flourish. Is there anything you want to let me know about how I can pray that, that's more educated? And that starts a spiritual conversation that's led to conversion. That's a pretty low bar. Not, not we've got to train you in presuppositional apologetics, not you've got to defend the Bible's position on sexuality. Love Jesus, walk your net. You're going to get there. That's going to be a conversation that's had, especially in 2021. But man, if you can be known as the man or the woman that's prayerfully blessing the homes in your neighborhood, you've got a real shot at being salt and light and having the opportunity to share the gospel with your neighbors and coworkers. Hmm. Love that, Matt. Really, uh, really great way to end our time together. So thankful for you, uh, the work that you're doing through Village Church, X29. And so I uh, really appreciate you again. Uh, thanks for uh, listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews like this one with Matt, as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. And then also don't forget to check out Amplify Outreach Conference coming uh, soon in October. Uh, you can go to amplifyoutreach.com. And if you found our conversation helpful today, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review on iTunes. That'll help other ministry leaders like you find us and benefit from our content. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app available for both Apple and Android. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for taking the time. And thanks for remember to move over if you're a Stetzer Leadership Podcast subscriber, move over to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.